The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his apostles, As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Drive out demons. Without cost, you have received. Without cost, you are to give. Do not take gold or silver or copper for your belts. No sack for the journey or a second tunic or sandals or a walking stick. The laborer deserves his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, look for a worthy person in it and stay there until you leave. As you enter a house, wish it peace. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If not, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you or listen to your words, Go outside that house or town and shake the dust from your feet. Amen, I say to you. It will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Love by its very essence, longs to be received. It's the whole point of giving. Love longs to be received. It's a note that runs through our readings today. Our first reading from the prophet Hosea gives us a marvelous and oddly familiar picture because it's a picture that we know all too well, many of us in our own families. What parent at some point or other hasn't found himself or herself pacing the floor, preoccupied for a son or a daughter? Puzzled by that odd reality that the more I love him, the more I care for her, the further they wander away. And that woundedness of a love that longs to be received and yet doesn't seem to realize its goal. Not because love hasn't been given, not because love hasn't been extended, but because of the odd way our hearts work, where oftentimes it's those who love us most that we hurt the most. And we feel the sting as well of the wounds that those we love cause us. Oddly, it's not because there is no love, but love that is extended isn't always received. And in the experience of, in a sense, being that frustrated lover, that one who seeks to give, 
But instead of finding an outstretched hand, see simply a back that has been turned. Very quickly, a certain resentful anger can root itself within us. And it's this reality that we see, in a sense, as the Lord metaphorically is pacing along the floor of heaven, preoccupied for his child Ephraim, the tribe of the north, that so persistently turns its back on the love that he would extend, that so persistently seeks its fulfillment someplace else. And as the Lord, in a sense, is going through that metaphorical pacing around the floor of heaven, note the decision that he makes. It's a remarkably beautiful decision, a decision that puts before us the truly great characteristic of God that the scripture communicates, which is not that God is mighty, which is not simply that God is good, which is not that God is wise or even that God is merciful and loving. It's that God is faithful. And for all the reasons his people, his children, have given him to turn his back, to reject them, to say, I am done with you, he refuses to do it. This maddening, holy stubbornness on the part of the Lord. And note, again, this experience that is all too familiar for many parents. He will not give up on this son who insists on never coming home. He will not stop loving this one, even though that love is not received and not returned. What a remarkable moment. Time and time again, one will trace this thread through the Holy Scriptures, where the love of God is not simply offered once, but continually, over and over again to those who most boldly and brazenly reject it. Who loves like that? What a remarkable thing. This refusal of the Lord to stop loving his people. He will not stop. And so as many reasons as he has to turn away, as many reasons as he has to abandon them, as many reasons as he has been given to turn his back, beautifully and wonderfully we hear him say, but that is not me, and that is not my way, and that is not what I will how absolutely wonderful that is. It is a wonderment that comes to its high point in the Lord, who steps out of the glory of heaven, who makes himself small and clothes himself in that same fragile humanity that so readily turns away from the Lord who has loved it into existence. 
Imagine that. Not only will he not turn his back on this world that has refused his love, he will love it to the point of entering that very world, of sharing its woundedness, of knowing its tragedy, of walking among us. And we see then, as we look at the beautiful statue of Our Lady holding before us the presence of the Lord, that we may see him. The fulfillment of that great longing of our responsorial psalm today. Lord, let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. And note how here, the Almighty doesn't give us merely a metaphor. Merely a beautiful symbolic description. His face literally does shine upon us in the loving gaze of Jesus. How absolutely remarkable. Note how great this faithfulness of the Lord is. That I will go and I will find that son who has wandered away. And he meant every word of that because the Lord steps out of heaven to find us and to meet us. And note then how wonderful this is, as we saw yesterday, that part of the movement of that great, stubborn love of God is the sending out of his apostles, the sending out of his church into the world. But again, love longs to be received. And so note what he says to the apostles as he sends them out. Because the important thing here, again, is not the power that he gives them. The important thing is the way he sends them. And he says, as you go, announce this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Take a minute and look at your hand how close your hand is to you. Think for a moment about what that means. The kingdom of heaven is within your reach. You could stretch out your hand and meet it and touch it, the Lord says. Not simply that the kingdom of heaven is close or near in some vague way, it is near enough for you to touch. It is near enough. That is how close heaven has come to you who have wandered so far away. And if heaven draws that close, what does it wait for? For you and for me to extend our hands and meet it. What a breathtakingly beautiful image that is. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then, as the Lord says, cure the diseases, heal the sick, free the possessed. Note what he says after that to them. Freely have you received. You received without cost. You received with a certain completeness. The way you've received from me is the way you need to give. Love longs to be received. 
and the love that is received longs to continue giving itself. Note how marvelous that is. But again, note what the Lord says. This mysteriously beautiful statement. Without cost, you have received is one way of trans uh, translating it. In other words, you didn't pay for it. You didn't buy it. No one held out a basket and said, drop your donation in before I help you. You received something freely. It cost you nothing. And so he says, if you've received mercy and love and goodness and ability freely, then don't be grudging in the giving. Don't be reluctant in the sharing. Don't negotiate a price, because that is what our fallen hearts do. If you treat me better, I will love you. If you do something for me, I will be good to you. If you stop bothering me. But note that each of those statements has a price tag attached to it. Not a financial one, but oftentimes an emotional price tag, a behavioral price tag, a certain sense of what do I get out of it. And the Lord says, that's not how I have gifted you. That is not how I love you. The one who paces the floor of heaven preoccupied by his wayward child is not saying, love me first and then I will love you back. It is, I will keep loving you. And so note how the Lord is insisting that this freedom of love needs to run through his church and to the world in this way. But the other way of translating is simply to say, freely you have received. And note that says something a little bit different than just, it was free, no charge. Rather, with a certain freedom, you opened your life. With a certain freedom, you drank deeply from the well of grace. With a certain freedom, love came into you as much as you could hold. Have that freedom in how you treat one another. Have that freedom with how you love. Note here this wonderful secret. As freely as you receive the love that I have for you, be that free in giving it. Be that free in sharing it. It sounds so beautiful, but in the practicalities of life, it is so very difficult. And yet, what a marvelous goal to aspire to. And how good it is that here at the Rock of Our Lady during Mass, we can reflect on this because we see here enthroned on that rock the image of the one who freely gives himself. And we are here at Mass. We're from this altar. He will come. And he will freely give himself, quite literally, to each and every one of us. And what will we do? We will get up and we will come forward to receive 
and it costs us nothing. And we can walk forward freely and receive. And that's the beautiful element of the dismissal at the end of Mass, when Father Bill is going to look at all of you and say, go. And he's not saying, get out of here, I don't want to see you anymore. He is saying, go, and as freely as you received, go and freely give. Go and freely live. And in doing so, even if you never say it with your lips, you will be announcing to the world that the kingdom of God is at hand. And how marvelous that every time we celebrate Mass, we have that concrete reality. We open our mouths or we extend our hands to him who is the splendor and the peacefulness and the joy and the love of heaven. And here, most truly and most really, the kingdom of God indeed is at hand. As near as your hand is the kingdom. How wonderful. Let us then come forward with freedom to receive him who gives himself so freely and so generously. Amen.